It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Today we have a special treat. We have with us Gabe Howard, who is a fellow podcast host. He hosts The Psych Central Show, which is an award-winning companion to the excellent mental health reference site, psychcentral.com. Gabe is also an award-winning writer, speaker, and mental health advocate who lives with bipolar and anxiety disorders. And he has a lot of valuable advice about this week's topic, which, by request from an anonymous listener, is what is a loved one's role in helping a family member with mental illness? So, Gabe Howard, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So for a long time, I've been trying to figure out how to do a show on how best to support a loved one who is suffering from mental illness. And so this is a fantastic opportunity to do so. So you're a mental health advocate. Can you tell us just a Cliff Notes version of your story? I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and anxiety disorders back in 2003, and it took me completely by surprise. I love to tell people that the day before I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I believed every pop culture stereotype there was about mental illness, that all mentally ill people were violent, all mentally ill people were rocking back and forth and drooling, people with mental illness can't hold down jobs. I was not educated about this subject at all. So naturally, I didn't notice any of the symptoms in myself. Luckily, I did run into somebody who did understand the symptoms, and she tricked me. I, I love to say that because it's true. She tricked me into going to the emergency room. And I like to say that that was the start of my four-year epic battle against mental illness. So you mentioned she tricked you into going to the emergency room. So how did she do that? And is that something, since we're talking about loved one's role in a you know family member or another loved one's um, mental illness, is that something you would advocate? Uh, yes and no. This is where it gets really, really tricky. Tricking people is, is definitely a tool in your toolbox. It should probably not be the first tool in your toolbox. Probably and I like not. to tell people that. Yeah. Don't, don't go straight for tricking. But let's look at the designated driver drunk driving strategy for a moment. 
I, I believe that this is very, very analogous. Step one is always you've had too much to drink. Give me your keys. Let's call you a cab. That should be the first thing out of your mouth. Now, if the person you know, says, hey, look, I'm fine. I can drive. I'm okay. Then step two is to trick the person. Hide their keys. Uh, convince them to spend the night at your house, convince them that let's go to a movie, let's go to a diner and eat, you know, anything that it takes. It's sort of the same way with a, a mental health concern. Step one is to point it out to the person to help them understand what is going on so that that way your allies, in my case, it was life or death. I was suicidal. I was a danger to myself or others. So this person had sort of a really crummy choice on her hand. She could call 911, which would involve a police response to my mental right, illness, right. which hardly ever turns out well. Even when it turns out well, it doesn't turn out well. Mm -hmm. Or she could trick me into going. And what she said is, listen, you need to go to the emergency room because what you're feeling is not normal and you need help. I said that she was wrong. She said, of course, that, that she was not wrong. And here is her genius. She said, I'll tell you what, let's get in the car. We'll go to the emergency room and we'll ask the doctor and the doctor will settle the bet. If you're right, I will take you out to dinner and you will win. And I like to joke that even in my suicidal, delusional and, and, and psychosis state, I had the overwhelming desire to win an argument. <laughs> Competition never goes away. <laughs> it never does. And this worked on me. And I got in the car, I drove there. And then of course they started taking it very seriously, incredibly seriously. It turns out that bipolar disorder, mental illness, wanting to die, all of these things are, are not normal. I, I had no idea. I was floored, but that's how I got help. So I, I really like your drunk driver analogy. And so let's let's riff off that for a little bit. So it's pretty obvious when somebody is is drunk and unable to drive. And like in your case, if you were suicidal, you know, wanting to die, danger to yourself or others, that's pretty obvious. But are there other signs that family members need to look for? Like, what are some specific signs that might not be so obvious? Because there is such a fuzzy line between just going through a hard time and like really not functioning. So how can a family member tell the difference? The first couple of things that I say is people hate me because I'm a moderate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would love to say, oh, if your loved one spends a whole bunch of money, it's definitely mental illness. But the reality is, is we all have loved ones that are perfectly mentally healthy that just don't know how to manage money to save their lives. Yes, yes, true. I, I, I would love to say if your loved one gets rid of a whole bunch of things that they are definitely suicidal, but we've all purged our homes. We've all decided, oh, I've got to get rid of this clutter. We've all downsized. So there's no locks in the world. I, I wish there was. Mm -hmm. I wish that there was a blood test for mental illness. I really, really do. So here's what I tell people. Trust your gut, but remember that it can be wrong. What we're really talking about here is to have something looked at. Oftentimes in, in, when it comes to mental illness, people say things like, you are definitely psychotic, which makes people think I'm not violent, I'm not Freddy Krueger, so you're just crazy. Uh, and then the dynamics of family come in. Why are you always riding me? You never understand my, my dreams. Yes. 
uh, or people say you're definitely depressed, you're definitely manic. And it, it frustrates me when family members come to me and they're like, I trust my gut and I know my loved one and I know they're depressed. We should really take a different approach, which is, I think you might be. It is possible that you are. I'm worried about you because. Here is what I notice, and it could be X. And then use that to ask to get an expert opinion. Oftentimes, family members are much more open to that. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday, and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home to move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Okay, so now back to our conversation with advocate Gabe Howard on a loved one's role in mental health recovery. So what I'm hearing is that rather than saying you need help or you have this, to phrase it in terms of I statements, I'm worried about you. I am concerned about behavior X and Y. I would like it if you would get some help. And so that way the person can't argue with your feelings or your opinions and you're not throwing labels or amateur diagnoses at them. I statements are very, very powerful. I'm, I'm sure you've covered them on your show before. Anybody that's been in therapy for more than three sessions has heard all about <laughs> I statements. That's true. I statements are incredibly powerful. They really are. I can't speak enough of them. Talk about your reason for coming. I'm married and I love my wife. My wife is fantastic. And like all good spouses, she nags me to do things from time to time. Her most effective tool is, please do this for me. It's her most powerful tool. Mm. Whenever she says, Gabe, I want you to do this, I decide if I want to do it. But when she says, will you do this for me? I, I end up going to see Hamilton. <laughs> I don't like musicals. I don't know how this happened. But she said, will you do this for me? Just to sum that up. So it sounds like, please do it for me because this is important to me. and. We love each other. Therefore, what's important to me, it makes sense that that would probably be important to you. Correct. Got it. I, I do want to add that it, you know, it gets difficult. A lot of family members feel that psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists don't listen to them. That is very true. They feel like all the facts aren't being relayed. This is another reason why it is incredibly important to partner with your loved one. 
if your loved one comes in to a doctor, a therapist, you know, et cetera, and their only goal is to prove you wrong, they're going to say whatever it takes to make sure that they win the argument. That's true. If they come in with the idea of, uh, I want to find out who's right, there's no hard feelings here. I'm looking for good information and I want you to have all the facts. They are one, going to be much more likely to let you speak. Two, they are much more likely to give a complete picture rather than a heavily edited, I'm on the debate team, I'm only going to give my side picture. So many people fail at this before they leave the house. It's just the reality of it. Also, this is an excellent point to touch on family dynamics. So often the the matriarch or the patriarch of the family who has a long history of fighting with their child about whatever is the person that's always designated to deliver the hard news. Mm -hmm. We understand why this happens, but daughters and mothers, sons and fathers, sons and mothers, they have long history of fighting. Tag somebody in. Huh. Okay. I honestly believe I have absolutely no scientific fact to back this up. This is just my opinion. I want to state that clear. But I believe that little sisters have saved more lives (laughs) than anybody else. Tap off to a sibling, to a, a favorite aunt or uncle, grandparents. Don't try to be the hero. If your relationship has deteriorated about this subject... Be smart enough to recognize it and ask Mm. other family members for help and respect them enough to let them do it. Now would be a good time to mention, and I'm sure your show has covered this before, that caregiver burnout is a thing and going to therapy to learn how to be a better caregiver and to manage your own emotions is totally a thing. So often I talk to caregivers that are like, well, I don't need therapy. My loved one does. You think that going to therapy makes you less than and you wonder why your loved one doesn't want to go. Go to therapy and learn how to be a better caregiver. Learn how to manage your feelings. Learn how to manage the emotions that come up from being somebody with mental illness as sole caregiver. But more importantly, model to your loved one that going to therapy is not a weakness. It's a way to be stronger. And then, hey, you never know. My dad pulled me aside one day and told me that he saw a therapist He saw a therapist for anger issues because he was really angry and his job kept him up. He was a truck driver. So sometimes he had to drive overnight and sleep all day. Sometimes he slept all night and was up. So he had a very, very varying schedule that wreaked a lot of havoc. And he Mm. admitted that he just had a a natural anger issue that he was unaware of. And somebody said, dude, you're going to lose your family if you don't go get help. So he sucked it up and he went to a therapist and he loved it. He loved it. He said he learned so much. It was educational. It was nothing like he thought. And my dad telling me that he saw a therapist instantly made it okay. And of course, now that I'm a mental health advocate, I think, why did you have to wait until I was sick to tell me this? Why did you hide it from us? Why? Because there was still that element of shame that my father may or may not have had. I don't want to speak for him, but we didn't know. So he was hiding it for a reason. We need to stop this. This is the kind of behavior that that normalizes sick. We need to start normalizing the behaviors that make us well. And a lot of times that does start with family members modeling the way. Go to your own therapist. 
learn how to be the best caregiver that you can be, manage your own emotions, and tell your loved one you're doing it. It's very, very difficult to do things when the people telling you to do them haven't done them themselves. Yeah, because then it's not credible. It's like going to a mechanic who's never owned a car. You know? Right. So, yeah, that makes sense. So what have I missed? What are the things that you wish family members of individuals with mental illness knew? If you could uh, wave a magic wand and impart some wisdom upon all these families, what would it be? So engage the lifeguard. And of course, in this analogy, the lifeguard is medical professionals, therapists, psychiatrists, doctors, even your general practitioner, family doctor. That's a good place to start. Again, you need a team. I really, 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 really advise all caregivers to understand their role as a helper, not a savior. And finally, remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm. If you are angry, exhausted, miserable, if you are not giving good advice, if you are not taking care of yourself because you're taking care of your loved one, I can almost guarantee that you are doing damage to both parties. I really do go back to the humility. Uh, Ask your loved one what they need, how you can help, and then set good boundaries. Mm. Now, you've said an interesting phrase. You say that you have reached recovery in your bipolar disorder. What does that mean? Because I've also heard you say that there's no cure for mental illness. So tell me about, um, for you, what recovery is. To me, recovery means I spend more time living my life than I do managing bipolar disorder. When I was first diagnosed, I spent 100% of my time managing the illness. 100%. My entire life was dedicated to this illness. And as I got better more and more time became available for me. You know, 10% of the time I had for me and 90% of the time I managed bipolar disorder. And then I got to 50-50 and, you know, now reasonably I I spend about 10 to 15% of my my life Hmm. managing bipolar disorder. That's the amount of time that it takes to make doctor's appointments, take my pills, go to the pharmacist, make sure that I'm, I'm communicating to the therapist correctly taking hard looks at my life so that I understand when a symptom may be coming so I can get on top of it, looking over everything to make sure that I don't bite off more than I can chew. There's Mm. just certain things that because I live with bipolar disorder, they aren't available to me. Now, somebody else with bipolar disorder, it might be available to, but I have to understand my personal limitations with the illness. And all of that takes a little bit of time. If there was a cure for it, Yeah, I wouldn't have to spend any time. So that's what it means to me. It just means the the official definition is something along the lines of uh, no longer symptomatic. Well, that's a perfect place to leave it. So Gabe Howard, thank you so much for being on the show. It was delightful to talk to you. Oh, I appreciate it greatly. Thank you so much for having me. Gabe Howard is an award-winning writer, speaker, and mental health advocate who lives with bipolar and anxiety disorders. Gabe is the host of the award-winning podcast, The Psych Central Show, as well as co-host of another podcast, A Bipolar, A Schizophrenic, and A Podcast. And it's pretty easy to guess what that one is about. So you can check them both out wherever you like to get your podcasts. You can find his online home at GabeHoward.com, and he makes his actual home in Columbus, Ohio, with his wife and Minnie Schnauzer. So thank you so much for making The Savvy Psychologist a part of your life. 
To wrap up some quick, exciting news, my first book, How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic and Rise Above Social Anxiety is already in its second printing. I had no idea it would come this far. So if you've already picked it up, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And if you live with a little or a lot of social anxiety, or you love someone who does, go ahead and pick up How to Be Yourself wherever you like to get your books. And no matter where you buy it, please do take a minute to leave an honest review on Amazon. As always, The Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you here next Friday for a happier, healthier mind. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.